This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com, the leaders in checklist-based trading strategy. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. I'll teach you a literal checklist so you can tick off items and be decisive very quickly. Get across to TraderCobb.com where there's a bunch of free content there for you to have a look at. And of course, if you're interested in having me come to your city, click and register for the live events coming up and filling fast. Have a great day. Visit TraderCobb.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TraderCobb Crypto Podcast. I've got a great guest here with a great story. It's Ali Hassan, who is the co-founder and CEO at Crescent Crypto Asset Management. Looking forward to learning a lot more about what this fund is actually doing in the space, how it was basically conceived, and uh, where they're going to next. So Ali, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Mate, look, I just want to sort of touch on, um, first of all, I mean, look, you were at Goldman Sachs, which as many people will know is a... Well, it's the, it's the biggest of the biggest as far as, um, I guess, uh, credibility goes on the investment banking side of things. So you left Goldman um, to set up this fund. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the backstory uh, of what you were doing at Goldman Sachs and what brought you out of Goldman to setting up your own fund? Yeah, you'd be surprised. That is the most common question we get, whether it's uh, investors, podcasts. Everyone wants to talk about the Goldman McCain angle, and I'm happy yep. to tell you the story. Um, uh, it's very fascinating. Actually, I started my career at Goldman in 2013. Um, I was uh, part of the investment management division and very quickly I became uh, infatuated with Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin was one of the few things really that, uh, didn't have the strict compliance rules, which is surprising to most people. Uh, when you work at a bank like Goldman Sachs, it's uh, very difficult to trade equities. Um, almost impossible given the restricted trade yeah. but there were no rules around Bitcoin. Um, you didn't, there was no infrastructure around getting compliance pre-approval. The firm didn't care. Um, so I developed an interest, started writing about Bitcoin, um, became uh, a de facto crypto expert. Uh, the same with my partners, Chris Matt and Mike Kaisley. We were uh, known as the crypto guys on our floor and within our team. Quickly became um, uh, the go-to guys for inbound conversations from clients who are interested in the space or uh, fellows at the firm who wanted to talk about things like, how do I buy Ripple? Where do I store my Bitcoin? How do I uh, open a Kraken account, et cetera, et cetera. And we quickly realized that uh, uh, there was a demand uh, for our skill set, um, that the, uh, the skills and knowledge we have coupled with the financial pedigree that we learned at Goldman uh, was marketable. And we weren't really monetizing on that skill set from our seats in Goldman. And that's how Crescent Crypto Asset Management started. We looked around the marketplace. We realized that uh, uh, there was demand from both Goldman clients and other rich uh, and wealthy accredited investors in the United States to uh, get access into the space, but they didn't know how to do it. Uh, there were active managers, and I'm sure you've spoken to many on uh, on your podcast, but really in, in 2017, uh, there were no passive uh, uh, managers, right? The, the holy grail of uh, uh, the space right now is someone trying to launch an ETF. Um, at the time, there were no even private index funds, uh, nothing that resembled an ETF. So mm. we got we put our heads together. Uh, long story short, built a structured a very powerful uh, index, uh, built a robust index me methodology, and uh, launched an index fund uh, uh, that was a large cap market cap. Uh, uh, weighted vehicle, attracted some clients from Goldman, um, raised some external capital, uh, attracted the eyes of the VC world, and uh, and now we're here. 
Cool. Very, it is an interesting story. And naturally, the uh, the conversation, you know, I'm not surprised that many people want to speak about that angle because, um, well, one one part of that is about the, the conversation earlier on in 2017 about it's a fraud, it's a scam, it's this, it's that. And look, I've been trading for 13 years now. I, I know a bunch of people that work in all those different investment banks. And um, typically, the whole idea is if you can't make money from it, it's a scam yeah. until you work out how to make money from it. And then it's legitimate. And that's, that's sort of the way it goes because obviously any money that was flowing into Bitcoin wasn't flowing into equities or structured products or foreign exchange or you know, these different index funds and whatnot. So it's a direct pulling out of their pockets. So interesting to see the support you had. And did you have a lot of clients uh, follow you from yeah. Goldman Sachs into the fund? I know you mentioned you had some partners, but uh, was there much external flow from GS? Yes, actually, uh, the majority of our capital now um, is from existing relationships with uh, clients that we've had while we were at the firm. Uh, the clients trust us. They, um, a lot of times when they're investing in products and asset classes like this that are so unique, most of the time they don't fully understand what they're really making a bet on is uh, the founders yeah. and the portfolio managers. From that perspective, um, uh, these are people, again, that trust us, uh, that know that we will do right by them. Um, and that was the, the most obvious uh, path of raising capital for us. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, uh, both um, uh, ultra high net worth clients, as well as some institutional clients, um, helped us launch the the fund. Sounds good. And look, you know, obviously you're dealing with family offices, and I, I really want to tap on this just for a little while because I find it very interesting. Family offices, um, for those that are not fully aware, are basically very ultra high net worth people that that are investing or have portfolio managers that generally look after the family's money. To cut a long story, very, very short. Yep. Now, what they actually do is basically they're ahead of the curve on a lot of things. Now, they get a lot of things wrong because that's what trading and investing is all about. You don't have a winner every single time, but they do tend to carve off little bits to try and capture uh, new technology or a new movement, a new sector. Uh, you know, Something new is what they want to be there for. They don't just want to have somebody that's who's investing right. just in blue chip. So obviously, with that being the case and with our market being the crypto asset market, blockchain market, this is at the forefront. Are you seeing a huge amount of interest from these family offices or is it just starting to trickle in? Yeah, huge is relative. Uh, and I think it's different for every strategy and every fund manager. Um, I can speak directly to our funds and our strategies. The, the majority of our capital is family office capital. Um, and that's, wow, okay. uh, it's actually, it's pretty obvious. Uh, you said it perfectly. Family offices have a more dynamic asset allocation protocol. Uh, there's a lot le less red tape um, they can make bets and take views and exit investments as they see fit. We built something very cool um, that wasn't available. Uh, we built a liquid uh, venture style vehicle, right? We have uh, um, daily liquidity um, for, um, for some of our clients um, on the in inbound subscription and weekly redemptions. So this is uh, an interesting asset, super liquid, low fee, trusted um, portfolio managers, um, uh, pretty unique return stream that's totally uncorrelated to the majority of what they do. And it's simple. We built something that's, uh, again, very unsexy, right? Crypto is complex. Um, it doesn't have to be. We built uh, a vehicle that uh, is passive and is uh, simple enough for the heads of these family offices and the decision makers to understand. So it was a good entryway for them to get some exposure. Um, and we've since uh, seen that um, they dipped their toes in the water. They tried it out with a little bit of capital and have significantly increased. 
Um, so to answer your question, yes, family offices is an obvious uh, pool of capital for fund managers to tap into. And that's, I think, why uh, most people in the industry talk about it. It's very difficult to get onto the Goldman platform. Uh, it's very difficult to get on JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, um, uh, uh, E-Trade, et cetera. It's hard to put uh, funds of this status on those platforms, but it's not yeah. difficult for the dynamic uh, approaches that uh, these forward-thinking uh, families take. So, I mean, one of the things uh, I am very interested in as well is, look, I've heard you speak, um, I think it was on Bloomberg, and um, one of the things you mentioned was that you, you won't be holding any asset at all ever on an exchange, which obviously there's a fairly you know stock standard reply for, for a fund and for anybody who's got some money in the market, you should always have it safe. But one of the questions that I've got for you, mate, is um, when you do decide to exit, you know, when we get parabolic or if we get parabolic again, like we did see through December of 2017, there's some very obvious signs there of the potential for a pullback, mainly being the hype cycle, the way things were going. Markets don't go up that straight forever. Um, and they will pull back. So when you are exiting, are you going through OTC? How are you looking to exit a position should the time come to do that? Um, and do you take any margin shorts or is it just purely a long only and exit when you wish to? Sure. Let me answer the, the first part of your question because that is actually a very good question. Um, unlike active managers, we don't ever have to take any exchange risk. So it wasn't really a canned, a canned answer. We don't ever put coins onto the exchanges um, uh, or ever leave coins onto exchanges because we're a passive fund. Uh, we designed the index in a way where no coin uh, can ever be included as part of the eligible criteria of the index unless it has cold storage capabilities. And in yep. the beginning, in 2017 and early 2018, that criteria actually excluded many of the top coins in the, uh, in the top 20. Uh, some of the things that come mm. to mind right now are IOTA. Uh, and Cardano. Um, yep. uh, for a long yep. time, there were no cold storage capabilities. So from the ground up, when we were first launching this uh, company, we made it a point that we will not invest in any coin that we um, would have to leave in hot wallets. Um, uh, and we built our business around that. What that meant is the second part of your question, whenever we're putting on a big trade or exiting from a position, we do almost exclusively through over-the-counter relationships. Uh, we yep. prefer that for many reasons. One being we don't have to ever have to take exchange uh, uh, risk. Two, settlement-wise, because we're an index and we have to track our index very closely, we need to execute trades at a very specific time, usually 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is how our index is calculated. I need to get a full execution of all the trades as close to 4 p.m. on the dot as possible, which is 0, 0, 0, 0 UTC. Any minute or second above that or below that, that causes tracking error for our fund. Uh, if I had to move coins onto exchanges, execute trades onto exchanges, and then pull the coins off, uh, yeah. that would significantly increase our tracking error. We've built a process with the over-the-counter shops uh, where uh, we create a competitive bidding process. Uh, we send our orders to multiple desks at the same time. Uh, and we hit the uh, ones with the tightest spreads. Um, they never know if we're buyers or sellers, right? It's always a two-way market. Um, they know that um, uh, they like the size we trade. We've developed really good relationship with them early on. And we can execute 
uh, at or near exchange prices uh, without having to take the risk of putting any coins on the exchanges. And any margin, do you, I mean, obviously with, you know, I know that that would you sort of answer the question within the answer of the first question, which is that, um, you know, you don't put it on exchanges, but I'm not, I'm not aware at this stage, but with OTC, with over-the-counter trading, is there any margin options? And I mean, look, separate question, do you take any uh, hedging positions where you can maybe use margin to be short uh, if the market was to come off or you if you see the opportunity you see that as an opportunity to just exit the market for the time being yeah very good question uh, we are a long only manager um, our investors are paying for long only beta exposure to the asset class uh, my mandate and the team's mandate is not to outperform anything uh, we are trying to replicate the returns of the asset class for our investors uh, and to do so um, we have to be long all the time um, so no, we've, uh, we don't take opportunistic bets. We don't take directional bets. We don't, uh, short or hedge our portfolio. Our investors have uh, very high liquidity. Um, so oftentimes they may choose to pull some money off the table uh, and then redeploy it. But any money that's in the fund is uh, always invested. We're at or near 100% exposure at all times. Um, and, uh, we've never taken, we've never put on a short position in the fund. That being said, um, many of the OTC shops are uh, capable of doing that for you now. Um, Galaxy, for instance, has been uh, really a leader in the space for us, um, and they're able to put on uh, multiple derivatives trades as well as uh, offer margin, uh, lending, shorting, um, anything that we need them to do, they've been uh, uh, really at the forefront of getting these things accomplished for us. So effectively, what you're saying is that your fund, well, what you have said is your fund is a long-only fund, and given the... Given the um, fact that you'll be nearly 100% invested most of the time, that would suggest that you're sort of a long-term fund. You're, you're looking for to ride through some of the bad times, um, but you're looking for the sort of three to five year plan uh, as this space grows and becomes bigger and bigger. Is that sort of the, the ethos? That's exactly right. Uh, there are lots of managers out there who are more short-term or medium-term focused. Um, they do a great job at what they do. Uh, there are very few who do exactly what we do, which is that uh, long-term uh, uh, one, two, three percent of someone's portfolio in a passive vehicle, ultra low fee, and we charge uh, anywhere between 95 basis points to 2%, depending on how much capital someone has committed to us without any carry. Um, uh, and that really resonates with a long-term focused investor, the investor who typically prefers to invest in ETFs um, in their brokerage accounts in the U.S. equity markets. That's the type of investor who um, usually invests with us, not the type of investor who um, is uh, commonly used to trading in and out positions, um, take putting on margin, yep. lending, et cetera. Uh, there, are, there are funds and managers that cater to that type of investor. Uh, we believe that uh, we are the core of uh, a crypto holding in someone's portfolio. Um, core satellite approach, you, you have your core holding in uh, a passive low-cost beta vehicle. And then you can trade around the edges or uh, allocate to a VC style or high frequency style or systemic style uh, manager as you choose. Makes sense. Well, let's get into what the, fo the focus of the fund actually is, other than, of course, to uh, be yeah. profitable. What, what are you looking at in this? I mean, are you, are, you, are you going into specific sectors? I mean, how are you weighted and what is the whole plan of the fund? Yeah, right. that, that, that's a great question. Um, uh, the best the best place to start is my partners and I have uh, almost no input, uh, no manager bias is implemented uh, through the fund whatsoever. We don't decide which coins to hold. Uh, we don't decide when to sell. We don't decide when to buy. Um, 
we really um, have made it into a systematic mathematical approach. We hired a firm called MVIS, which is a, a VanEx subsidiary. They calculate and disseminate our index. Uh, so there is, uh, to keep it very simple, uh, a strict set of mathematical rules on uh, which coins are eligible uh, and when they do become eligible, uh, how, um, how they're weighted relative to each other in the portfolio. Um, that gets published on our website every month. Um, uh, and then out, we as managers decide, uh, are judged on how close we can replicate that index. Um, right now, we are weighted at approximately 72% Bitcoin, 10% Ether, 6% Ripple, 3% Bitcoin Cash, and so on and so forth. Our smallest position in the fund is uh, uh, the two smallest ones are Zcash and Chainlink. Um, and uh, those are both under 25 basis points of the fund. Um, uh, all that is done algorithmically and mathematically. Um, we use a 90-day weighted average market cap, which is pretty unique. Uh, we take a look at the coins. Uh, what most people know is uh, uh, S&P 500 fund uses a market cap um, uh, uh, to weight the stocks relative to each other. Uh, because crypto is so volatile uh, and because uh, you see such dramatic moves, um, it doesn't mean we we took this stance that it didn't make sense to judge a coin relative on intraday moves or day over day moves. We take a average weighting, the average market cap of each coin over the past ninety days, uh, and then we use those average market caps in relation to each other to determine how much of each coin to hold. This is a really beautiful strategy because um, as coins are over outperforming, they end up uh, becoming an increased portion of our fund. Um, and as coins are underperforming, we're constantly uh, reducing the weights to those coins. Um, you end up with uh, allowing the market to vote, and uh, you're, you're constantly increasing your allocation to winners and decreasing your allocation to losers. As coins pop up into the top 20 and are part of your index, now you have uh, exposure early on. Um, as Bitcoin dominance, which has been the theme this year, increases and outperforms the altcoins, our strategy does the same thing. Uh, we're uh, uh, constantly increasing. We've been constantly increasing our Bitcoin exposure over these past few months. As alts um, uh, start to outperform, uh, we systemically reduce our Bitcoin exposure and allocate to alts. Uh, so to get back to your question, uh, the strategy is beautiful in that it does most of the work for us. We, we spent a lot of time building uh, a very robust mathematical model in, or, in order to uh, uh, build uh, this portfolio. Uh, and now we've taken the managers. My opinion doesn't matter. Most managers don't fully know what's going to happen in the next hour, let alone in the next year. Um, so we've taken all that input, all that bias out of the equation and allowing the mathematics to build the portfolio for us. I mean, on that, I mean, you talked about, you know, weighting the fund um, to alts when the time comes. Now, what are you looking for to give you that alert that the time has come? Because I keep getting asked day in and day out, when is it alt season? When is it alt season? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'll just, I'm a trend following trader. That's that's what I do. I, I don't really, I wake up in the morning and I look at what I got in front of me at that moment in time. When I'm in the markets, I look at what is in front of me at that moment in time because I trade from a checklist based trading system. So for me, I'm not thinking about way, way, way ahead. Sure, my investment portfolio is weighted for that longer term move, okay? But for me right now, it's like it doesn't really matter. I don't know when it's coming. So what are you looking for to then weight the portfolio more towards those odds? What are the sort of signals? What are the sort of things you need to see happen before you take that position? You said it, you said it perfectly, Craig. Um, not, you don't know and I don't know. And anyone who comes on your show and tries to 
uh, tell you about signals or um, any surefire way to uh, uh, to beat this market. They're making it up also. The beauty about our strategy is um, I am not actually looking for a signal or I'm not looking for any metric to uh, uh, tell me to tell the trader to decrease our Bitcoin exposure and increase our Ethereum exposure. It's all done mathematically, meaning as Ethereum starts to uh, chip away at the market dominance of Bitcoin, um, so does our portfolio at the same time. Um, as uh, Ripple or Bitcoin Cash um, increases in size relative to the market, so does our fund. Our fund replicates uh, what the market caps of uh, these coins have done over the past 90 days, um, and it does it systematically. So we're never really missing um, uh, uh, any trends. Uh, we're constantly following the trends as well. Um, and it's all done via market consensus. As traders and investors believe in a project and believe in a coin and are buying into that project and increasing the market cap of that project, so does our fund. As traders vote against a project and are selling uh, and uh, reducing their exposure to those coins, so does our fund. Um, we're, it, it's not really rocket science. It, it's the beauty of passive management. Um, we are not trying to outperform anything. We're not trying to predict when alt season is about to come. What we do and what we promise our investors is um, uh, they won't really miss out on the performance of the entire asset class. As crypto markets do well, so do the investors in our fund. As crypto markets do poorly, so do the investors in our fund. Um, but you're never going to be in a position where um, uh, Bitcoin goes to uh, you know thirty or forty thousand, and you're with an active manager who uh, has an underexposure and underallocation of Bitcoin, or uh, really believes in Ethereum, etc. And you yeah. miss out on that trade. We are designed and our promises, we will replicate the overall performance of the broad market. Well, that makes perfect sense. And um, look, it sounds like a lot of hard work was put up front to get these systems in order. And you pretty much just put your feet up on the desk every other day now, right, Ali? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, wish it was that easy. That, that would be great. Uh, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, there, there's still a lot of um, uh, portfolio management that needs to happen, right? Uh, we do rebalance the portfolio every month. Uh, we constantly have um, clients who are subscribing into our fund. Uh, so we're, we're trading pretty often. Um, and our job is to make sure that we're executing uh, at the tightest possible spreads, reducing costs, um, uh, making sure that we have the proper infrastructure. Most recently, uh, one of the things we did was uh, we, uh, uh, we onboarded with Coinbase Custody. So now we have okay. a, a, a qualified custodian managing our assets. Um, there's an insurance overlay that makes some of our investors comfortable. Uh, another uh, slight tangent um, uh, that we did is we launched a series of uh, sector-specific indices, which I think your um, uh, viewers might be really interested in. Uh, everything we've talked about so far, you and I, has been on our market index, the Crescent Crypto mm -hmm. Market Index, which is the large cap vehicle. We launched an anonymity index, a smart contract platform index, and an alt index, all very cool indices for investors that have a specific bias someone comes to us and says, you know, I really love privacy. Uh, you know, I think that that's going to be the future. I want to invest in a portfolio that is catered to privacy. Well, we have a portfolio of Monero, Dash, uh, Zcash, etc. If someone has the view of uh, um, Web 3.0 and wants to talk about smart contracts and uh, DAP platforms, we have a smart contract platform index for them. And if someone comes to us and says, hey, Ali, I already have a lot of Bitcoin, you know, I don't necessarily want to pay your firm to manage a portfolio that has 70% Bitcoin. I have Bitcoin. I'm looking for exposure to the alts. 
we built an alt index, uh, which is essentially our market index uh, minus the Bitcoin prorated out to the rest of the portfolio. So I wish we could just put our feet up, but we're constantly <laughs> we're, we're constantly thinking of new product that could appeal to our base of investors. Uh, and we're trying to push this space forward. Yeah, no, it sounds, sounds really good, mate. So a quick question on this one. Uh, ETFs or derivatives, what's more important to institutions um, to get more money flowing into the market in your view? I'm going to give you the uh, my biased opinion, um, each day. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason that's my biased opinion is Crescent Crypto actually uh, filed for an ETF with the United States Commodities Funds. Uh, USCF, for those who don't know, is um, uh, one of the large commodity ETF uh, players in the United States. Uh, they uh, manage USO, which is one of the largest oil commodity uh, funds, ETFs in the world. Uh, they uh, were interested in launching a crypto product didn't necessarily have a, a crypto base of expertise in-house. We partnered mm -hmm. with them uh, to be that crypto base of expertise. Uh, it's one of the very cool partnerships um, of the space today. This is a traditional firm uh, with mm. uh, a seasoned base of ETFs, lots of infrastructure, legal capacity, compliance, um, et cetera, the ability to push things through the SEC. We come. We are a crypto native firm with portfolio management and indexing and trading expertise on the crypto side. It was really a marriage uh, that was beautiful, and uh, we, we're trying to launch a Bitcoin Ethereum ETF under the ticker XBET on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, uh, obviously, there are a number of U.S. firms uh, trying to uh, attain mm. the holy grail of launching an ETF. Uh, we're the only one that is trying to do so with Bitcoin and Ethereum at the same time. We don't think that uh, the thesis of bringing Bitcoin in an ETF really makes sense anymore. It used to be the holy grail because everyone said, well, if, uh, if I can buy Bitcoin in my brokerage account, then uh, Bitcoin will go to the moon. Um, everyone is going to have some in their IRAs, etc. The truth is it's getting easier and easier to do that by the day. Mm. Uh, you have really great products um, that exist today, as well as um, you have firms like Fidelity, E-Trade, um, uh, and, and others that are uh, actually making TD Ameritrade that are making it simple for investors to buy Bitcoin directly, get Bitcoin exposure directly in their brokerage account. So our view and our thesis at Crescent Crypto is uh, an investor is not going to be willing to pay uh, a management fee on a product that can buy them Bitcoin when they can do that directly on their own. Uh, we want to build something that's a little bit more robust. ETFs are more known for uh, basket products. When you think of S&P 500, people buy that because they don't want to buy all 500 stocks in the U.S. stock market. Mm. Um, we're building a basket of originally to start Bitcoin and Ethereum. And uh, uh, we believe we have uh, the right stuff to, um, uh, to launch this product. Well, I'll tell you what, if you are first to market with something different, uh, new and interesting, I'm sure you're going to do very well and help to build the space at Ali. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, mate. Can you tell us more about where we can find information about uh, the Crescent Crypto Asset Management Fund and uh, yourself? Sure. Well, the, first of all, the pleasure is mine. Greg. I'm a big fan of your show and uh, uh, I'm really proud to be on here speaking with you. Um, CrescentCrypto.com is the best way to, uh, uh, to, to view our information and uh, get in touch with us. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Ali Kryptonite. Um, uh, we do have a, uh, a weekly investor letter that goes out as well. So if anyone's interested, um, in that, just reach out to me, um, via Twitter or right on our website. And I'd be happy to share our weekly thoughts, insights, what we're seeing in the market, um, uh, with anyone who's interested.
Excellent, mate. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Ali Hassan, co-founder and CEO at Crescent Crypto Asset Management. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. I wish you all the best of luck going forward. I'm sure you don't need it. Sounds like you're on a good path there, mate, and I wish you all the best. Thanks very much for your time. Have a good one. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, bye for now. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com, the leaders in checklist-based trading strategy. Yes, that's exactly how it sounds. I'll teach you a literal checklist so you can tick off items and be decisive very quickly. Get across to TraderCobb.com where there's a bunch of free content there for you to have a look at. And of course, if you're interested in having me come to your city, click and register for the live events coming up and filling fast. Have a great day. Visit TraderCobb.com now.